Hello and welcome to Vet Club. It's time for Book Club. Vet Books. Vet Books. We call it Vet Books. Yeah, it's called Vet Book. <laughs> okay, sorry. Everything's a club nowadays. It's like, we're, it's Book Club. Book Club, Journal Club. Journal Club. Club Club. Club Vet. It's like Club Med. Yeah. But better. I don't actually know what Club Med is. I don't I always, I don't, yeah. They always talk about it, and it seems like there it's just like, like a spa, but it. it also seems like it's a very it's like weird thing. I think there were commercials about it like when I was a kid. Like, this is a thing you should want to do, and it just never, the, the name didn't even sound good. Yeah. I, was I like, think it might have been a where, cult. You, yeah, it probably was. All right, we'll Google that later. Uh, so we're on Chapter 11, which is uh, that book's number 12. Yep. So... Because we numbered them weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the first one we numbered, we well, didn't actually go over. I know, I know. I think you're supposed to call that zero, according oh, to a, we should do that. Amazon Prime does that. We should do that. And all yeah. the trailers should are episode rename zero. Everything? I can go back and rename everything. It's doable. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess we can do that. Well, we're going to have to like re-record the intros. Okay, anyhow, we'll sort that out later. So this is chapter one. Uh, <laughs> chapter one, one. Chapter 11. <laughs> Sorry. Chapter one one. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, um, in obviously in our series, uh, we're reviewing Small Animal Critical Care Medicine, the second edition, um, edited by Deb Silverstein and Kate Hopper. This is, they didn't write the whole oh. book, which we discovered. Oh, right. No, on we, the week. you discovered. <laughs> this was the thing I knew. Okay, so when for a lot of textbooks and near most veterinary textbooks. Um, the authors that are written on the front cover are the editors. And usually they have written at least some of the chapters, but like they then recruit a bunch of other people to write chapters in their book. And Topher thought that like, if it's a textbook, the, the person or persons on the front wrote the whole book. I and didn't, that, I never thought anything of it. I was more like, oh, look at all these homework problems I have to do. <laughs> right. You just sort of assumed you're like, oh, that person wrote every chapter. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of textbooks out there where that's yeah. true in certain Oh, topics, I didn't get to ask you on the week. Do you get to write the questions at the end of your chapter that you're writing? If there are questions, yeah. What do you mean? Qu- yeah. There's not, not always all- questions at the end of the chapter. There's questions at the end of these chapters, right? No. Pretty no, sure there is. No, there's not. There's references. Oh, I there's thought no there were questions. questions. No, those are references. Oh. Sometimes they're even select. It's not a textbook. Um, yeah. I think you're thinking of like high school and maybe some undergrad college textbooks. Like All math. of my you're undergrad thinking, college. But you were doing all math classes. Like math, that, that is part of it. Like there's always problems at the end of a math chapter. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. So this chapter... Um, was written by Randolph Stewart, and it is entitled Interstitial Edema. Do you know Randolph Stewart? I don't. No. I I don't know Randy. I don't know if he goes by Randy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Randolph. All right. So, uh, but yeah, we I, I don't know him. Um, if you're listening, send us a message and, you know, I'll, I'll correct whatever you prefer, your preferred uh, name in the next episode. Anyhow, so... I was honestly, when I first saw this chapter, I was like, this, this is a whole chapter on interstitial edema? Okay, cool. I thought interstitial edema is when you, uh, you like, poke your skin and it doesn't come back. You thought it was hitting edema. Like, so the term, fat. so, and, and interstitial edema may develop and become pitting edema, but pitting edema when it is basically severe interstitial edema. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, but not, I think that's the, for me, I don't even know if they talk about this in that chapter, but um, for me, 
the the danger is the interstitial edema that you can't see like you can't tell on a physical exam because it's going to happen um on a smaller scale before you can you can see it and the other thing to think of is like the interstitium like do you know what the interstitium is that's all the stuff in between the important things yeah (laughs) yeah that's actually a really good definition so it's the stuff like in between all the tissues and it's outside of the cells um, inside of the body, but like between the organs, but it's all that like connective tissue and space. And it's like this, there's a lot of potential space and yeah. yeah. So it's It'll kind probably of be really thing. important in the near future when science discovers what it actually is. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, uh, cause I, I remember when I was an undergrad, there were the, was it introns in the DNA? Introns is just leftover junk and blah, blah, blah. It's in between all the important stuff. And now introns is like, that's where all the amazing stuff happens. That's how we can do all this RNA sequencing and uh, the CRISPR and all that stuff. Sure. I don't know. Oh. That all sounds great. I don't, Some biology major you were. I wasn't a geneticist, nor am I now a geneticist. I guess you learned biology before I did. So introns were also nothing when you were. I was going to say, I, that, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes, we have reestablished that I'm older than you. Okay, yeah, so. The, the kingdoms were different when you learned biology than when I learned biology. They had just really? changed it the year that I oh. took it. I mean, I've, I've recently learned that it's not, you know, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Oh, they changed that? Oh, no, that's someone I know. Yeah, okay. that's different. No, they changed the kingdoms, like the... Oh, no, I think one. the order is different too. Yeah. No, I think oh, they've the changed all of it. I don't, I don't what? think. Uh, yeah, I think so. They need to make up their minds. Yeah, that's not something. So like new scientists come through and they're like, yeah, I don't like the system the old pe- people are using. Let's redo it. And you're like, but I learned that. I just, I, you know how much time I spent memorizing that? Or like renaming molecules. Ugh. People come through like, let's number these. Actually, Dimitri Martin has a funny joke about that when it comes to naming vitamins. Yeah. He's like vitamin A, vitamin B. They're like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. We got a lot more of these to go. All right, vitamin B1, B2, B6. Uh, uh, okay, B, C, D. Oh, crap. Uh, uh, vitamin K. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. <laughs> he tells her it's really funny when he tells it. It's the same basic idea. It's just like, who, who names these things? Anyway, um, interstitial edema is edema that forms in the interstitium. And what's edema? I have no idea. Oh, you don't know? It's just water. Fluid, water. fluid accumulation. Yeah, it's water. Um, and so Water or fluid? Like any fluid? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not water. going to be pure water because it's yeah. in the body. So it's going to be salt water. Um, so f- the fluid, it is primarily water, but it's going to have electrolytes. It's going to have glu- glucose, um, B, you know, whatever, whatever is in mm-hmm. the plasma of your blood will and is easily diffusable across the membrane. So like it shouldn't in theory have a ton of proteins in it, like the edema shouldn't, but that's going to depend. It's going to depend on the underlying cause of the edema. Um, but so it's primarily water, but it isn't like distilled water. It's not pure water. Um, so fluid. So the, the point of the chapter is just to kind of review like what leads to the formation of edema. Um, and so one of my favorite things is, is um, Starling's forces, which is just uh, an equation that sort of describes the movement of fluid from within the bloodstream in the blood vessels out into the interstitium. And there's always a net, like an, in health, there's always like net movement, like there's always fluid in flux, but 
the net movement is outside of the vasculature. Um, and then we don't get interstitial edema because we have um, the lymphatic system, which picks up that extra fluid and just kind of reprocesses and recycles it. Um, but there are system like there, you know, we can have problems where the system isn't working and either we have too much fluid leaking out um, or uh, for two main reasons. So either the, the hydrostatic pressure or the physical pressure within the vessels becomes too great. And so more, it forces more fluid out or the oncotic pressure that is keeping the fluid in falls and then more fluid leaks out. When you say vessels, what are you talking the about? Blood the blood vessels. Yeah, the blood vessels. So blood vessels are like... Just little floppy tubes. Like the, like the end of the... Like your Capillaries veins, your veins and, and your arteries. Yeah. So if I say like vessels, it's all the veins, all the arteries, the capillaries, all the different sizes. Now, most of this is going to be happening in the venous side because mm -hmm. the venous side is the thin walled floppy capacitance. That's where the majority of your blood at any given moment is in your veins. Um, the now, arteries they leak are, out anywhere along a vein or is it just at the ends? No, any like, uh, like within the wall. So if you've got like a tubular structure, you've got little like... Imagine yeah, um, it's not a solid wall. It's no. Just so imagine of, it was like a garden hose that was made of cloth. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's not a, a t great explanation because cloth, you feel like it would just leak out, but it's going to leak out slowly. Yeah. Actually, that's probably not a bad um, analogy. If it was made out of like cotton, it's not going to just pour out, but it is going to leach out slowly. Mm -hmm. and, but it's going to leach out faster if you increase the pressure through the cotton tubing. Um, or if you have less stuff keeping it in the cotton, this is where my analogy falls apart. But yeah. like a um, soaker hose, kind sure. Of. A soaker hose. It's like hose. a rubber, but it. But it's got little holes in it. Yeah, it's just the material. Yeah, so it's just it's made to have you know things be able to move in and out of them. Like yeah. that's how you that's your tra transport system in the body. So things have to be able to move in and out of the vasculature, um, out of the blood vessels, and so but at you know, at the appropriate time and at the appropriate rate. Um, and so things can change, the, the um, circumstances can change to favor leaking fluid out. So increased hydrostatic pressure, there's just a buildup of too much fluid and eventually it's just going to overcome those forces and it's going to leak out. Um, or not enough proteins keeping the water, the fluid in, and so then it's going to leak out. So those would be reasons why you might have development of a diva. And they basically can overwhelm the lymphatic system, which is supposed to get rid of the little bit of extra fluid that comes out. Or if you have a problem with your lymphatic system and it's not able to drain, it's just going to build up because, you know, your, your drainage system, your you have a sewage backup in a sense. So you have a strike. They're not picking up the yeah. trash. And then if you poke extra holes in your garden hose or your soaker hose or your cotton tubing or whatever, um, so if you have extra leaky vessels, um, so there are, there are properties in the, the blood vessels themselves that can um, favor the loss of fluids out of the vessels and into the interstitium. And so all of these types of things can lead to formation of edema. So if you find edema in a patient, you have to go back and be like, okay, well, I have an understanding of Starling's forces and therefore, um, I can, I can reason through like, okay, is the protein low in the blood? Is the hydrostatic pressure, is the, is there a buildup of fluid in one part compartment of the, the blood vessels? Is this, do I think the, the vessels themselves are unhealthy and leaky? Um, so things like that can be, um, can be important to, uh, to just keep track of. And so understanding the physiology is, uh, is always healthy. Um, and I mean, so that's, that's really kind of the, uh, or again, don't forget about like Im impaired lymphatic drainage. So that's really the point of the, this chapter is just kind of, <clears throat> 
as a reminder of what are the factors that favor fluid leaking out of the vessels and into the interstitium. Now, here's the, it's not really a, a discussion about this, but I think a lot of times when we think about the interstitium, people think about like the subcutaneous tissue, like just under right. your skin. That's but like, the main thing I think of. But it's everywhere. Like there's interstitium everywhere. Like your tissues themselves have an interstitial compartment and um, there's that space in between the cells of your organs. Yeah, it's probably a lot like <clears throat> in your stomach and your gut. Yeah, that's actually, and so. Well, not in your stomach, but, but y- yeah. what you think of. Within the lining, right? Like not in the lumen. What we call the lumen is the, the stuff that holds the things that's actually technically outside of your body. Um, but it, um, essentially what happens is, um, there are certain tissues that have properties of their, their vessels that make it, that's more likely for fluid to leak out here than over there. And so like the lungs is a, uh, are a tissue that, um, it's actually, they're designed appropriately to not have fluid leak out like that. They're, you don't want water in your lungs because it makes it really hard to breathe. And so, um, so they're under normal circumstances, like one of the last tissues to get edema um, versus you mentioned the gut was one of the earliest tissues to develop edema. And so this is the thing that I, the point I like to drive home to people is that you, if you are um, looking for signs of edema in a patient, you will miss some patients that have edema in the organ systems because you, you can't, tell on a physical exam. So if the if you have edema in the intestines or in the kidneys, which are again two of the early places to see edema when you have fluid overload or if there's a problem, you're not going to know about it. So you have to have some degree of suspicion because it will ha- it will cause problems in those organs. Um, so in the intestines it will lead to ileus or just they won't be moving very well. So they won't do a good job of digesting food and moving things through. Um, the kidneys <laughs> That's a good get name for it. <clears throat> what? Ileus. Ilias? It just sounds like you're not doing a very good job. Uh, Ilias, yeah. Ilias, he sounds like a like a old Roman or Greek person that was just like not very good at things. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably where the and name came they, from. Uh, they went to build a a column, and, but Ilias was in charge, so it took thirty years. That's probably what it is. Um, so, uh, the the again, I don't have an easy way. Um, to like tell you like okay this is how you can identify um interstitial edema in the intestines is there like a scan that you can do that'll pick it up probably not since it's just Um, fluid i don't think you like if you did an ultrasound and you were like you had a radiologist who was good at that um then you could probably like recognize, oh, the lining of the, you know, the muscularis layer in the interstitial or in the, in the intestines looks thickened or, or, you know, the echogenicity is, is inappropriate or blah, blah, blah. Like maybe, but we don't routinely do that. Yeah. And so I don't think anybody is um, picking up, picking up on that on ultrasound. Um, would it help if you had an easy test to yeah, find it or would you? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be super helpful. But that would make you change like the way you did things if you was like, oh, this thing has edema in this place. Yeah, like, oh my God, I would love that. If you could just easily like here's a here's a test you can do easily, clinically, non-invasively to say, um, because that's one of the things I I think we do a lot of is is we inadvertently give our patients too much fluids and then we can increase the hydrostatic pressure and we can lead to fluid overload and edema in these organ systems. And because it is not easy to recognize clinically 
there could be subtle things where, okay, this patient has ileus, maybe they're regurgitating or um, they are nauseated. And we're like, there's a bajillion different reasons for a patient to be nauseated and having regurgitation. Um, but I, I don't think it's on the forefront of people's minds to consider, hmm, I wonder if it's iatrogenic fluid overload. And maybe part of the problem is, are you doing okay over there? Yeah. <laughs> Tover's, I have my microphone Tover's out taking apart his microphone. <laughs> Um, so maybe it's, um, I, what I tell people now is I just need you to think about this is could, could your patient have interstitial edema in the intestines? And is that part of what's causing the, the gastrointestinal problems that you're seeing? Or maybe the reason your patient with kidney injury, um, is getting worse and not better despite all the fluids you're giving is because of all the fluids you're giving. Maybe you're giving too much fluid and that's actually causing renal edema or edema in the kidneys themselves, which is reducing their function. And that's why your patient's getting worse. And so like people's tendency with, um, kidney injury is to say, Oh, look, the kidney values are coming down. Cool. That's great. And then they go, Oh, the kidney values aren't coming down anymore. I better give more fluids. And then the kidney values go up and they go, Oh my gosh, we must need more. I must be even further behind than I thought uh -huh. we must need more fluids. And actually we might be making things worse. Um, but we don't think about it because I can't feel the kidneys directly and be like, Ooh, those feel squishy. It's probably edema. I should back off on my fluids. Um, so yes, if we had an easy test, um, that we, so right now, we just have to have a clinical suspicion. We just have to be worried about it. And I mean, I worry about a lot of things, but this is one of the things I think um, it's like, it's the same reason I worry about like inappropriate clotting because it's hard to identify the things that are easy to find on a physical exam. Like, man, eh, because yeah, people by will the say, times that it's obvious, it's yeah. too late. So like the common answer for people is like, oh, what are you going to do to monitor for fluid overload? And students are always like, oh, I want to monitor the respiratory rate. I'm going to look for nasal discharge and things like that. And it's like, well, yes, you should watch for those things. But if you've watched for those things, you, it's way too late. I mean, it's not too late. You can still try to reverse it, but it, I would much rather find evidence of fluid overload earlier because I know based on normal physiology that the lungs are the last place for me to see fluid overload. So if that's the organ system I'm using as my canary in the, mm -hmm. in the, uh, what is it? Coal mine. Coal mine. It's like what the cave, what's it called? Um, then it's like, oh yeah, that's just letting you know that we're all going to die from a cave in, um, just, just right before it happens. I'm like, no, no, no. I want it to be the earliest. I want the canary to be somewhere in the intestines. And so if you have a patient that's in the hospital and it's regurgitating, uh, and it doesn't have another, like it's not there for that problem, you should be wondering, hmm, wonder if we're causing this. Maybe I'm giving too many fluids. Maybe that's the problem. So... Or, oh, the kidneys are, kidney values are getting worse. Huh, I wonder if that's something I'm doing. Maybe I should reevaluate my fluid therapy plan. That's um, that's the main thing I, like, I want people to think about when it comes to um, edema. Like, the, the, the this chapter is not, like, it's, Randolph is not going off on a soapbox like I'm doing right now. <laughs> it's more like, here's the understanding of the basic physiology. You should understand the mechanisms that can precipitate fluid, ex excess fluid moving out of the vasculature, overwhelming the lymphatics, blah, blah, blah. And so it is, it's a nice brief overview mm -hmm. of those, uh, is of there those a way concepts. that you can like, like tell that the blood vessels are weak or the hydrostatic pressure is too high or easily? No, no. Um, like for example, so a classic example of increased hydrostatic pressure leading to edema is congestive heart failure. Now, this is a regional problem. So what I mean by that is it's not like there's overall fluid overload. Patients in heart failure have relative fluid overload, meaning 
their heart just can't handle the amount of fluid. It's, it's not going forward, it's going backwards. And so when the heart's pumping and it's supposed to be pumping fluid forward, it goes backward, which means there's more fluid building up back and back and eventually the veins become overwhelmed. And those are the veins that are um, coming from the lungs. Mm -hmm. And so they start to leak and then you get fluid leaking out into the lungs. So even though normally the lungs are the last place to go, that local system becomes overwhelmed. And so one of the things that we will do um, to diagnose a patient in congestive heart failure, left-sided congestive heart failure, is on a chest x-ray, like the way to diagnose it is to look at the pulmonary veins and say the pulmonary veins are measuring too big. So they yeah, have expanded. Yeah, that. Yeah. But that only works for like vessels that are large enough for us to like measure easily. So those are big vessels. Yeah. And that's Ooh, in a very specific... You have to know the, uh, the starting too. Exactly. Um, and so we have... Um, on x-ray, like on chest x-rays of a dog or a cat, we say we have normal ranges. Like, okay, if you measure it compared to the size of that patient's rib, when it crosses this location, it should be this big. And so that's what we're using. So we kind of, we don't necessarily have the starting, but we have where it should be. Um, And so you could also do that with like the vena cava, which is the big vein that goes right before the heart. So there are a few vessels where we kind of like, oh yeah, that does look too big. And so, um, but if you're seeing like widespread edema, or if you're just talking about uh, like, like subclinical or small amounts of edema that's going everywhere in the body, I'm not going to be able to like measure the tiny little capillaries in the, the, the intestines and be like, oh, those look big. I, I don't, I don't have an easy way to do that. Because if we're talking capillaries, they're teeny, teeny, tiny. What about if it's like a bodybuilding dog and it just has like veins? Yeah. You know, I see no. like on bodybuilders. Could you, I know. You could measure those with like a ruler. That's yeah. A little yeah. bigger than normal. No. What causes that? Um, it's actually, the veins aren't any bigger. It's just that the muscles are um, like, I think making them more Their prominent. veins have muscles? No, like the, the veins are around the muscles and the muscle, like you have, okay. But you've um, seen those dudes. They have yeah, like, I know what you're it's talking like about. an inch it's, thick. Yeah. And it's because their muscles are, are protruding and they don't have any fat. Like the fat surrounding your vessels is gone. So like if, so like see my vein, like, no, they, so, they're, they're not any bigger so than So my veins like an inch thick? Yeah. Some of them are. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. You cool. have large, your veins are large, your large capacitance veins are really big, but they're surrounded by interstitium, like interstitial tissue and fascia and fat and things like that. And when, Ooh, um, fascia is what you have to stretch in your yoga. <laughs> yeah. Yoga. They're like, you have to stretch your, your fascia. Like, okay. But anyway, that's, um, that's, that's really the, the main take home for the, the chapter is just thinking about fluid movement and fluid flux in the body, which I, I think we often don't like really consider enough to be honest um and so it's a good it's a good refresher reminder um I, I you know i'm i'm a big proponent of if you understand the physiology you can reason through what's happening in your patient think through it logically um because the body usually follows fairly predictable patterns like it if it's pretty logically arranged yeah and so that's why it works yeah exactly um but rather than like let me memorize a list of differentials for this that like no like just understand the physiology and you can think through it and be like oh that that makes sense why we're why we're seeing this. You can kind of work backwards from what your what the results are. What are you seeing, and like what are the possible things that could cause that? And so, um, understanding Starling's forces and um, fluid flux in the body is is a great example of of why learning all that stuff. Even though it's you know some people are just like oh Starling's forces, blah. I think it's really cool. Um, I'm a huge nerd, so um, that's part it's of it. It's a whole class in um, engineering fluid what? dynamics. Yeah. 
Um, and this is just a teeny little part of that. Um, it's, I'm sure that's way more complicated than, um, what we're talking about here. But, um, I think the concepts are basic things people can understand, right? Like if you increase the pressure of fluid in a tube, it's going to want to squeeze and leak out. Like it's, that's just yeah, it can how only go through fast. So it can yeah. only go so fast through a tube. Yeah. Until there's interference and then uh, yeah, increased and then, pressure. Anyhow. Yeah. So that's the take home. That's that's the point of this chapter. Um, it's not a super long one, but some important concepts in there. So I would encourage you to, you know, review this one, refresh yourself on it, know and learn to know and love Starlings Forces. That's my Well, you have, you keep <laughs> saying Starlings Forces, you haven't said what it is. Oh. You want me to like read the equation? Sure. Okay. So the classic equation is that the the net fluid moving out of the vessels is equal to, there's a bunch of constants, but is equal to, um, uh, this one's a little different. They've got the filtration Ooh. rate, but um, so you have the conductivity of the vessel. Okay. That's a constant. And that changes depending on which tissue bed you're talking about. That's what I was saying. Like the lungs mm-hmm. are different than the kidneys versus the vessels. What do you mean by conductivity? What do you, hydraulic conductivity? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's a constant that has to, I don't know what your question is. Yeah, that's what okay. do I mean? I don't know. Okay. You would know if you knew. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, basically then that constant is multiplied by the difference between the hydrostatic pressure inside the vessel and inside the interstitium or outside the vessel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's that. And then you subtract that from the reflection coefficient, which is another constant um, that that's kind of, ha- that can change within the, it's not like this vascular bed, but like in disease states that can change. Mm-hmm. And then that's the oncotic pressure um, inside the vessel minus the oncotic pressure inside the interstitium. What's oncotic pressure? The protein, the pressure exerted by proteins. Oncotic. That's the word. Yeah. That's what it means. So how many how, how many proteins are in the blood versus how many proteins are out of the blood? Oh, okay. Because that's, that's favoring. Pressure. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, we call that oncotic pressure. Yeah. So the pressure that is exerted, it's not really pressure, but the, it's exerted yeah. by. Well, it's kind of similar in. Um, and like materials and stuff. So there's always, so like if you have. Chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always like a vapor above everything. Yeah. And that's probably similar to what it is, yeah. except in a fluid thing. So it's not gaseous. Right, right. So basically you have the physical pressure and then you have the chemical pressure. Yeah. And, and those are all kind of happening together. And it's basically, again, you're going from an area of high pressure to low pressure. Um, so what's favoring that? And so if. Um, you know, water is going to move from an area of um, high oncotic or sorry, low oncotic pressure to an area of relative high oncotic pressure, like it's going to go that way. And then hydrostatic pressure, it's going to be the opposite. So if the the physical pressure in the vessel is high, fluid's going to leak out. If oncotic pressure, if your proteins are low in the vessel, fluid's going to leak out. Um, And that's basically what this, that's the, that's the take home message. Now that those numbers, like you're never going to do yeah, that no. math. Like you're not going to plug that in and be like, oh, well, this was the net filtration. It's it's the concept. So like it's kind of like with the, the ideal gas matter. law. You don't need to know. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't need to know what what is it R is. Yeah, you're never going to actually plug the numbers in. And but you do need to know math. how they're related. Yeah. Like when pressure goes up, volume goes down. Exactly. When yeah. Pressure so, goes up. Temperature goes up. That is the point of understanding Starling's equation. It's not like, oh, memorize this so you can do the math one day. No, understand the concepts. And the concepts, again, I think make sense. Like I think just 
in our general, by the time you get to the point of getting to vet school, you've had enough science and you've lived enough life that you're like, okay, these, I can reason through that. That makes sense. Water's going to do this. I know what water does in the presence of things, of stuff. And if it can pass over a membrane, then it's going to want to equalize everything. Um, but also I understand the concept of higher pressure, just physical pressure, favoring leaking things out. Like I, I feel like most people already have a, a good grasp yeah. of that. And that's it. That's the whole point of the equation. Like it's just, Reminding keep blowing up a things. balloon, eventually it's going to blow up. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows this. If not, they do now. <laughs> so that's it. That's the chapter. Um, I think it's a good one. Um, I like this kind of stuff because, like I said, nerd. Uh, but that's it. And uh, do you want to have a spelling bee? A spelling bee? Not really. Oh, We can do a spelling bee. Wait. We didn't have a game plan, but I like to have the games. I'm pretty sure that's why you guys are listening is so that we can have a game. Let me see if I can so it. unless you think of another game real quick, uh, I'm going to make you spell. Let's see here. Are you ready? Well, I got to do the sound. You got to find it. Is that it? It's a spelling bee. Spelling bee time. All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. First word. Interstitial. Interst. That's a terrible word to start with. Oh, okay. Well, no, then we'll it's save fine. It. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I got it. All right. I N T E R S T I T I A L. Interstitial. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. <laughs> you got to turn the volume up there. There. Yeah. That's like a like a bicycle bell. Um, that one's pretty good. Okay. Let's do lymphatic. Lymphatic. Mm-hmm. L-I-M-P-H-A-T-I-C. No, it's Ow. wrong. You said L-I. It's L-Y. L-Y. Yeah. Psh. Lymph. Lymph nodes. Lymph. Everything else was right? Y. Yeah. Everything lame. else was right. <laughs> yeah, it was lame. It was super lame. Um... Ooh, let that's a tough one. How about mm, let's do it comes up a lot in this chapter. So well let, no, let's do microvascular. Microvascular. Yep. M I C R O V A S C U L A R. Microvascular. Yay. Okay. One more one more and then we'll do a fun one. Filtration. Filtration. Yep. F-I-L-T-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. Yeah. <laughs> Did I, I spell like, too fast? Start, no, I was like looking for the next word. <laughs> oh, you were looking at the word? Yeah. All right. Starling. Starling. <laughs> S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G. Hmm, you didn't say capital S. Somebody's name, Topher. <laughs> you can have that one. You can get credit. Good job. I was you like, got- is that one that easy? Yeah, that, I know. That's why I was like, oh, he's going he's gonna to be suspicious. That was it. That was the fun one. I was like, oh, got to give Starling some, uh, some credit. I don't know. You want to you wanna spell something else? Oh, you should try to spell logarithmic. <sighs> Lame. I got to look it up. Yeah. L-O-G. Wait, I'm not looking it up. Burr. A-R-R-H-E-I-C. I wasn't listening to it at all. Well, I definitely got it right then. 
It's not like we can go back and see. <laughs> you gonna? I think I'm, I'm allowed to ask for a definition, right? You don't remember the definition of it? Yeah, you. No, I need the country of origin and I need the definition and use it in a sentence. This is a spelling bee. You should know the definition of it. It was the first spelling bee hard word. You missed it. Yeah. All right. Well, how did you spell it? L O G. I can't remember if I said O or A. I'm gonna say O R R H E I C. Yeah, you got it right this time. <laughs> was it O and not A? Or yeah, obviously. It was o. Okay. I might have said A when I tried it the first time. I don't yeah. know. You remember um, what it means? No. It means when um, you're uh, talking and you're just using a lot of words and it's oh, kind of a waste of time. That's right. Yeah. It's verbal diarrhea. Verbal diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> it's <good>. the show. <laughs> Aww. Aww. That's a want want. Oops. All right. You're. You're slacking on the buttons today. It's hard to move around between them. Yeah. Ah, that's okay. The moment has passed. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the wah, wah, wah. All right, guys. That's it. That was it for interstitial edema. There you go. You should do that over there. All right. We will see you guys next time. Bye.